welcome back for the third episode of Bag Talk. As always, I'm your host, Griffin Dallapena, alongside Hunter Mazur, Brandon Batanzas, and Alec Frangetta. Please continue to keep showing love to the podcast and recommend us to your friends. You know, we're really enjoying doing this so far through two episodes. Uh, please follow us on Twitter and YouTube at Bag Talk, as well as listen to us on platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts at Bag Talk. Guys, ready to get the episode underway? Yep. Yep. So first topic of the day, going to keep it going with music. Uh, I think the biggest topic this week would have to be future. High Off Life came out. And guys, you know, what are, what are we thinking about it? I think it's um, a great album, to be honest with you. I gave it an eight and a half. It's better than his recent ones, like Wizard. That one I really don't listen to ever. Didn't listen to it that much when it came out. It just wasn't that good to me. I like the one, to be honest with you, I like the one of the Young Boy, and I don't, I do not like Young Boy at all. But I mess with this song. Yeah, it was a. I thought it was one of the best albums released this year so far. Um, he had a bunch of good features: Travis, Young Thug, Young Boy, Uzi, and, and Lil Durk. That Lil Durk song I mess with. Yeah, I thought I thought it was better. I think it definitely would step up from his recent albums. Um, I gave it a seven. I think it's definitely probably one of the top albums of the year. I agree with what you guys said. My favorite tracks probably had to be, I liked All Bad with, that's what it's called, right? All Bad with Lil Uzi. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Song. I liked One of My was good. That song is hard as hell. And uh, Hard to Choose One is was a really good song too. But I gave it a seven. Because I feel like Future's music is always much better, like on the first listen, and then once you keep listening to it, it kind of just seems gets stale quicker than some other music. Mm-hmm. So I gave it a seven. I really liked it my first try, but I don't know if it's gonna be something I'm gonna be like steady bumping for like the next couple months or like for a while. I don't know. I just I think it's good. I think it's step up from his recent stuff. One of the better albums of the year, definitely. So yeah, seven. Brandon, I don't think that you said it. What did you rate the album overall? Oh, I said eight and a half. I think eight and a half. It's up there for this year. Hunter, what about you? I gave it a nice 8.2. 8.2. Not quite an 8.5. Yeah. I'm going to go 7.5. 7.5. 7.5. Seven seven I liked it. 7.5. You guys you guys like are high, and I think you're right. Well, 7. if you guys 5. all bump it up 0. 0.5, then mine's a 9 because I had it at 8.5. <laughs> so, I don't know. I definitely think it's one of his better projects in a while. Uh you know, 21 songs, I think a lot of different flows has a good amount of different features on it from a wide a range of voices. So mm. I really liked it. Um, I've listened to it two times through. The first time I listened to it, I was golfing on Friday. And, you know, we were all like, okay, like this is really, really good. And kind of what Al said, uh, I do believe that, you know, after a while you hear his songs a few times, it does get a little repetitive, but it's definitely one of the better albums of the year so far. Like you, there's like 21 songs, like you said, but I think how many of them were already came out, or how many already came out? Well, two life is three good. Three or four? I know three? at least two was Hundred life shooters is good. did two. I think the one, did the one with Dirk already come out? Hunter, I got right? the track yeah, list right out. here. Hold up, I got the track list right here. I know. Two so that's for sure. That's what made it like good. So we had two life is good. Where's the singles? Tycoon. I'm looking. Tycoon. At he dropped. Did he? he was last name on there? Yeah. 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 Undefeated featuring like Little Keed, was that on there? Or no? No, that's not on here. So then he had four, five, which, four, four. Which I mean, that I like it though because he's got sixteen new songs, ones. That's not weird. Yeah. It's not like an. Uh, he had, I did think the features were strong. I like Riding Strikers. That beat was sick. But like a really nice switch up on that beat. Mm-hmm. I forgot to mention that song earlier. The first song is good too. What's it? Trapped in Trapped the Sun. Trapped in the Sun. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, that's a good one. I did like that. The next album was uh, Polo G. Uh, what was it called? The Goat. The Goat. I did see a ton of people all over my socials, like showing a ton of love to this, to this album, saying like he hasn't missed on a song in years. Yeah, I saw or that. ever. Like he's like however many songs he's dropped, like three hundred and fifty something, three hundred and fifty <laughs> something, like. I I did listen to it. I did. I think he's got a really nice voice. I think out of the newer, I mean, he's definitely really falls in that category of like new school, like rap, like less, I don't know, substance, but I I think he's got a really good voice. And I think 
I think it was a strong album. I do. I like the song with Lil Baby because I love Lil Baby. I don't really, I don't really like his voice to be honest. But like, I think he's a good rapper. And every review I've seen has like called all his albums good. I haven't really bumped him like that. But I think he's good. He kind of rap. He talks about real stuff too. I yeah. think his voice is good. I think he flows nice. He's like, I he's like the song with Lil Baby because I love Lil Baby too. Like you said, Twenty One is a good song. The Juice World song is like number three in Apple right now. I saw. Mm-hmm. I gotta listen more of it though. I don't know. I overall, I think the album is not too bad. I gave it like a seven, but I think his album last year, Die a Legend, was better in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Go stupid. That song was so fire when it first came out, but I think TikTok ruined it. So when that came up, when I was like listening through, I was like, bad I people. <laughs> I just hate hearing it now. It kind of sucks, but. Overall, TikTok I think it was a pretty songs. good album. Yeah. Oh, what do you think about it be- being called the goat? I mean, I don't mind like bragging. Like, I feel like a lot of people call themselves the goats. Doesn't really mean much anymore. But whatever. I think he's, he's up the there. With, By the way, he's not, he, like he's not the goat. It's not true. But how much know, did or how many um records did he sell on this? Like ninety four thousand. It's pretty good. Did you see it or no? Yeah. I thought that was like really good for I think it was around 94,000, but I mean like actual sales, probably maybe like 200 total. <laughs> I don't really like, I think 94K is a lot for him. I didn't for, know. Yeah, but it's like all streams. But I mean like yeah. natural sales. Six, so 6'9", six, yeah, he... He was number three on the billboard this week after after pretty much everyone would would have believed he would have been number one behind uh, Stuck With You by Ariana Grande and Justin Bieber. And you guys all saw like uh, Ariana Grande, that super long message on Instagram. I saw Justin Bieber's manager had a super long message on Instagram just kind of explaining what it was about. What did you guys think about all that stuff? At first, I thought that 6 9 should have got number one. And then I saw that the uh, statement Billboard put out where they were talking about how YouTube streams don't count for... Because global the, streams. Yeah, because of the global streams thing. So, Billboard's just US. I think like Amazon or someone was giving out CDs if you bought something or something. Yeah, like, like, a, like a free signed CD if you bought like five or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's what... That's like what Kenny Chesney did when he beat Drake. Yeah, a lot of people do that. A lot of people sell tickets with their albums. So yeah. it definitely, I don't know, it's a little fishy, but I don't know. I think Ariana got it. But did you see how, like, Ariana Grande, like, it said that uh, 6 9 said it's labeled, like, they get, like, a weekly, like, a daily update of what the, the sales are and what the top, the top uh, billboards are going to be. And it said Ariana Grande was number five. Then within a day, she was up to number one and added like 60,000 uh, sales or something like that in a day. So like, that's probably from that um, shot on Amazon. How yep. they were, Bieber people said, were five um, of them at a time getting a sixth one, signed one. So Bieber said they like had 60,000. So then no one knew like where exactly where they were for like a marketing reason or something, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That's just what I saw, but yeah, I really don't get hide how the stream. So they, I bet, I don't know. Yeah, people probably hide them, so it looks like they just skyrocket up or something like that. Yeah. I don't really know how um, 6 9 is not one, though. Like, he's breaking these records. I feel like he posted the numbers on, like, Apple and Spotify, too. He wasn't I listened third, to it probably right? six times, honestly. Yeah, he was third. What was two, then? The song that was already number one? Yeah, what song say was so it? Or yeah, say so. Yeah, Say So. I'm surprised that's already two. Did you see she was supposed to be number – if she got number one, she was going to – freaking flash herself on twitter she already said that though the last time she got one and then never did i I just don't understand like you shouldn't be able to hide your views like you should that shouldn't be a thing it should just be like how it used to be i feel like before all you know the streams and all the digital age of things it was a lot easier to just know okay this is how many records people bought easy better said than done but i do understand why six nine would be upset about it because you know, you thought you were going to be number one after this big comeback. And that's just what he does, though. Like, he was going to call her out regardless if he got one or if he got three. So, yeah, can't really be too mad about it. But 
majority of the time, like nine times out of 10, pop's going to do better than rap on the billboards just because more people listen to it anyway. Radio so, too, radio counts. Yeah, like I that's think. all streams too. So yeah, not a big music week for sure. So we're going to start a new segment. Uh, it's going to be the tweet of the week. It can be from either, you know, music, sports, whatever. Uh, this week was definitely something that we all put in our group chat was uh, OBJ and Miles Garrett. They're adding each other after the Jordan documentary on Sunday. Uh, just some teammates just being good friends and stuff. So after the whole country was watching the last two episodes of The Last Dance in the 98 finals versus the Jazz, Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman were getting very intense after a loose ball. And he, uh, each one of them gave each other a slap on the ass, like just not a big deal, but it kind of became like a meme. And Miles quoted the video and said, how at OBJ thought spanking a cop was going to go. And Odell responded with the dagger that had like all of Twitter going crazy. He said, wait a minute. That wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was I got charged with assault and somehow you didn't <laughs> only in America. So that's obviously referring to miles Garrett last year, clubbing Mason Rudolph in the head with a helmet. And you know, that was just okay. So Garrett responded with the picture of MJ telling bird, mm -hmm. You bitch, fuck you, after he <laughs> went to him in the 98 conference finals saying, like, you know, great job. You all beat us, played us. And that was his response. So <laughs> so it's it's definitely crazy that OBJ playfully smacked the cop's ass and he got charged with assault. And awesome. Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett literally, literally killed Mason Rudolph. And just it's just sports. It's the thing we love know, about sports. It's so funny. Just because it's a cop. <laughs> he literally clapped Mason Rudolph like with a like helmet. He hit, yeah, <laughs> and that was like what OBJ did was literally the same thing that Rodman and Karl Malone did to each other. Like, have you seen that video? Yeah, and like Rodman's reaction was kind of weird, but <laughs> you know, whatever. So, you know, we're gonna keep doing that once a week. We'll find some funny content. But shifting into the next segment, uh, last week you heard Hunter's first gambling hub segment and this week will be the introduction of brandon's own segment boogs belly blessings take it away brandon all right well this week i didn't have much out to eat but i had fix ficarella's pizzeria i don't know if our viewers know but one of the slept on pizzerias in batavia <laughs> i got six wings barbecue and pizza logs and let me tell you the wings were up there. The wings were up there. Like there might be top three I've ever had. I'm not even kidding. So what about the pizza logs? Where do you rank pizza, them all time? They're, they're all right. They were like <laughs> give them a ranking. Like I had mad pizza logs in my lifetime, so I can't really like one out of ten. Let's hear it. Yeah. One out of ten. I'll give them a seven, eight and a half. Seven and a half. What'd you dip them in? Blue cheese or pizza sauce? Both. You know, Ooh, a little marinara. <laughs> He's a vet. Oh, that's American, baby. <laughs> that's pretty damn good. Let me. I smacked them too. Smacked them real quick. <laughs> so, other than you know, fix being your restaurant of the week, uh, give me your top three ranking of your favorite restaurants in Batavia right now. Right now, Batavia restaurants are smacking lately for me. I gotta say, <laughs> I gotta say, Los Compadres. I'm going to say that's at my one spot. Tillo's at my two. I don't know if you guys ever had a two for 22, but, like, come on. Can't be that. We love those. And three. Three is tough. Three is, like, really tough. Hmm. I'm going to say Yumi, though. Sesame yeah. chicken, white rice. I actually agree with your top three. That's a, a – Tall three? Is Tully's like honorable mention? Is that four or five? Yeah. Okay. Tully's Main Street honorable, honorable mention. Until it's over Main Street, that is honestly just. I don't. Well, like. You work there. That's a different. two for 22, though, is like. That's just a different level. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, with a two for 25 at Main Street. Let me get a quick plug. Main Street overalls. Main Street Every overalls. Every Tuesday right? at Main Street Pizza, two pasta entrees, two salads, a little loaf of bread, and a bottle of wine, 25 bucks with tax. $27 even, it's yours. You walk away out the door. To, to <laughs> 25 bucks every Tuesday. Give us a call. I mean, I answer the phone on Tuesdays. Nice. Free advertising right there for Al. Good for him. Great plug. Well, other than that, uh, I think, is that going to do it for this week's segment, Brandon? 
I want to hear your top three though, quick. Ooh, Ooh let's do top it. Top three. That's all. One. I'm probably gonna have to go Dillos because that's just a great time with the boys. Great food. Twofer. Oh, the twofer for sure. Yeah. Uh, you ever go two? there on Valentine's Day? Two heart-shaped pizzas. No. Ooh, me and Griff gotta go next time. Maybe we will <laughs> have to. Uh, that's one for sure. Two. I'm probably going to have to go with Tully's just because you can never go wrong with some tenders. Yeah, that's true. It's just a staple of Batavia for sure. And three, I might have to go Los, man. I've been getting Los a lot. Shout out to them. That's great, top three. Yeah. How many go? Yeah. But, like, you guys are going to roast me, but I'm not. I'm going to go with, like, it's going to be a little little out there. But because, like, I'm just, I'm a fanatic. But <laughs> I'm going to have to go number one probably that taco place my number one place wow. in Batavia. <laughs> number two i'm not gonna say main street because that's biased so i'm not gonna say main street number two has it. got to be the panda has to be it's a great pick too great number pick. three bourbon can i get another four? Great can I just get pick. four yeah okay oh, yeah. four bourbon number four south side i get a south side sub once a week. <laughs> oh, i'll be straight up honest right there boom four so we really do top. have great food here. We have okay. a lot of good food in Batavia. People sleep. We really Everyone do. Everyone says there's nothing to do in Batavia. Come here and you'll be way 400 some, pounds in a week. Yeah, so. Get some fucking food. I know. Look at Hunter. He's Shut been home for two weeks. He's just... <laughs> Hunter, what's your top three, bud? Um, I said I agree. I said, yeah. I, but oh, you agree with Brandon? Tillos is my number one. And then Los and then Yumi. Respectable. It's a great top three. I really, I'm now I'm hungry. So, <laughs> yeah, other than that, there's Brandon's first segment. And that's definitely going to be a hit for everybody. All the free advertising we just gave away. Go out there and go try out that food. So, other than that, we'll shift into sports. Uh, honestly, a really crazy sports week. So, last week, we talked about Earl Thomas and Sammy Watkins having some interesting stories. This week, we had four NFL players get arrested in three different uh, incidents across the NFL. So DeAndre Baker of the New York Giants and Quentin Dunbar, they had a armed robbery case in a cookout in Florida. Uh, Bill's own Ed Oliver was charged with uh, DUI pretty much. And then Redskins wide receiver Cody Latimer had multiple different charges against him. So guys, feel free to chime in whenever you want when I explain these different cases. And I'll just try to... um, make them as concise as possible because a lot of them, they're, they're uh, pretty lengthy. So the first one, we'll go with the easiest one, Ed Oliver. Uh, the most normal out of the bunch, uh, he was under the influence of alcohol driving in his hometown of Houston, Texas. Uh, after police pulled him over and searched his car, they found a licensed pistol, which is okay to have in your car in Texas. Like that wasn't the problem. But under Texas law, if you have a legal firearm while committing a separate crime, then it becomes illegal. So just him having that alone, like if he got pulled over and didn't do anything, that would have been fine. So with him having the DUI, that made that illegal. So that's just another thing to add on top of it. Uh, Basically, he'll just have a misdemeanor of DUI and then could be facing a two to four game suspension from the NFL. Um, Ed Oliver is basically just a country boy. Like I'm sure he had a bush light and there's a four wheeler in the back. It's a complete <laughs> different case than those other two guys. Yeah. And that's why I said it's the most normal for sure. It's I saw a three bad. game suspension. Is that true? Is that true? Three games? I think it's two to four will probably be what they give away. That's like first time offenders. That's he'll what be they fine. give them. I, he'll, he'll be, be fine. fine. I mean, obviously it's not something that would be ideal for the beginning of the season for one of our young stars, but um, it could have been a lot worse. Obviously, hopefully he can get that taken care of. And I mean, he was in Texas. You get arrested if you don't have a gun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Driving with a bush light. It, like, I'm pretty sure it's between his legs, too. That's the best part. He I know. That's so didn't fun. care. Open containers. <laughs> slamming beers. Probably listening to, like, Luke Combs or something. But... He had a four-wheeler on the back, too. Yeah, he did. <laughs> did you see his truck in the video? His truck was sick. I mean, I'm not He's a big G. truck guy, Eddie. but that was I love Eddie nice. Oliver. Should I get his jersey, you think? Him or – I want to get him or Edmonds. What do you think? Eddie Oliver or Edmonds? I have the Edmonds just because he's my boy. But you, you can't get the pick with him. Yeah, we did get the pick with him. Mike, Looking I have to get the AJ That's right there. 
I might get a brand ambassador jersey, like 100. <laughs> percent Well, we can think about that later. We'll get back into the other ones. So, uh, Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker were in their hometown near Miami, Florida, and they apparently pulled up to a cookout and performed an arm robbery, taking around seventy thousand dollars worth of cash and watches. Allegedly, Baker was one of the, or he was the person putting people at gunpoint and giving orders while Dunbar and another man were in the background assisting him and also carrying weapons. Yesterday, all the victims and witnesses did a complete 180 from their original stories 36 hours after saying that Baker and Dunbar pulled out weapons to rob them. Uh, Then their statement now is saying at some point there was an argument that arose between some of the parties that were playing dice. I was never in fear for my life in any situation that happened that day, and DeAndre Baker did not take any property from me and did not point a gun at anyone. So I find that this is very, very weird from going from, okay, you did it, you took the money, which is very weird for two NFL millionaires to take $70,000 worth of you know, yeah. Rolexes and cash. So it's just weird how in you know a span of a day and a half, they just completely backed off. I don't know if they got paid off or if they were just looking for publicity, trying to take these guys down. But what do you think about it? I saw, um, so they were betting or yeah, they were betting. They lost all their stuff, took it back. And then I think they paid off the people so they didn't get in trouble. Cause like, that's, I don't know. That's just weird to me how they're just robbing just robbing people back from the things they lost when they can just buy it the next week because they're going to get a fat paycheck. That really makes sense. I said they're just simply morons. That's also true. Why would they, like, I don't see any good reason to do this. Like, we're in the, like, the middle of the, or we're at the end of the Michael Jordan documentary. He's probably lost 10 times more money than that, and he never robbed anyone. Yeah, well, he also makes, he can also make 30 times more. But I mean, they're, they're both doing teams. well. Like Dunbar yeah. has like made a decent career for himself, and DeAndre Baker was a first-round pick, so they're making enough money. It's... Like they don't have. To well, you said that they came. The other person came out and said that. Oh, oh it just kind of lagged a little bit, so I started talking. But oh, okay, whatever. But the, the, you said they came out. The dude that like called the cops on him at first, like came out and said that that like that didn't happen. They were just playing. They were gambling. That's yeah, multiple happened. witnesses. So everybody at the scene originally like testified, said, you know, they did this. It was them. They were trying to rob us. They took everything, whatever. Then a day and a half later, all the witnesses, every single one of them, completely backed off from their original statements and said that they did not do anything wrong. Both Baker and Dunbar pleaded guilty or non guilty. I'm sorry. They did not plead guilty. And yeah, so it's just That's weird. What Pat how- McAfee said. They had to be paid off. He, he was like, he was talking about how like he bets that they're like gambling in that. Cause you said, didn't they, didn't they leave there like missing like four watches or something like that? Four yeah, 70000 yeah. So like, I bet like he was saying how he thinks that like they're just gambling and it just got heated. And then he said, he, he said he's been around shit like that where like people kind of like doing stuff like that. And he, he's seen people give people watches and like he's seen guns get pulled and he, he honestly might have just completely called what happened. I once thought he sounded like an idiot talking about it, but now it kind of was like, damn, you might be right. <laughs> makes a little bit of sense, yeah. And I think the weirdest thing, too, is even with them, like, potentially paying off the rest of the people in the situation, the victims and the other bystanders there, it still is helping their case to not get arrested and face time and also for them to be able to just play during the season because if they don't have a case, if these people don't want to – communicate with the police anymore apparently they're not cooperating well um they can't really get in trouble for it so then they can just play so regardless if they paid them off or if the people were just trying to get publicity out of it looks like they will be in good shape for the season at least so but shifting into the last one this one was very weird when I first heard it. And then as more news came out, it made more sense. And it's still, I I feel very bad for Vladimir. But in the beginning, I was like, this guy is not right. So uh, Cody Vladimir was at his best friend's apartment Friday night in Colorado for a poker game gone wrong, where originally reports said Vladimir was under the influence and tension flared, making him shoot a handgun, injuring nobody, 
but striking a person and giving them minor injuries not related to the gunshot. He was originally charged and booked for assault in the second degree, menacing, illegal discharge of a firearm, prohibited use of a weapon, and reckless endangerment. After the arrest was announced Saturday morning, Vladimir's attorney, Harvey Steinberg, said, quote, this is one of the most highly provocative situations you can ever imagine. Later in the weekend, Steinberg then told the court that he was contacted by law enforcement concerning an investigation of a sexual assault of Vladimir's four-year-old son that was allegedly perpetrated by one of the individuals at the poker game, hence the reason for him acting out. So after hearing all that, you know, it's a complete roller coaster ride of emotions. Um, it can't really put into words how, if I was Vladimir in that situation, how I would act too, because that is just, I mean, terrible. You're with all your friends and you find out this information that, you know, one of your good friends or people at least there, you know, did that to your son. It, it's hard to put into words, but Hunter, what do you have to say about it? Um, it's completely understandable. Um, if anyone was put in that situation, I'm sure they would act similar to that way. They'd be furious. And I don't know, with a mix of alcohol and then that information just probably caused what happened. I saw that he hit or someone was trying to like defend the other dude. And then he hit that guy on top of the head, like with his gun, he like smacked him with the gun and shot like a couple times, not hitting anyone, but like, I don't blame him at all. To be honest, that's just disgusting. I, I don't know. I really hope he doesn't get in any trouble. I don't blame him one bit. He was on the Giants last year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two two Giants from last from your team last year, buddy, and behind bars right now. No, they're not. Oh, no. What he... are you thinking, dude? <laughs> Bunch of convicts are making out there, man. What the hell? I don't blame Latimer, though. Not even a tiny bit. Yeah, he could have done a lot worse. And many people in that situation would have done much worse things. So. Yeah, I agree. You know, he wasn't. Yeah. He'll be fine. Thoughts and prayers out to him and his family. Hopefully that they can get that all resolved. But – Shifting into something that's a little bit more on the happier side of things, uh, this Sunday was the completion of the Last Dance documentary. Uh, This weekend, it mostly covered the 97 and 98 finals against the Utah Jazz and the 98 Eastern Conference finals against the Indiana Pacers. The real truth was discovered about the quote-unquote flu game, and Jordan expressed how it still gets to him about the dynasty being split apart after their sixth ring because they could have still won multiple more championships. Guys, what are your final takeaways from the documentary, and did the documentary fulfill its promise and hype? I think it was probably the best documentary I've seen on ESPN, like all the 30 for 30s and all that. It helped like me understand more about MJ, because I never watched him growing up. I just believed what my dad and my stepdad would tell me about him, but it helped me figure out more, and he's the GOAT. Yeah, it definitely fulfilled my expectations. You always hear those stories about how he's a one-of-a-kind competitor and all the little things that he did, like punching his teammates in the face and stuff like that. It shows how much he cared about winning and how much he wanted to push those guys to be the best they can so he can win at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I thought it was really good. I expected it to be awesome, but like it might have exceeded my expectations. Like I thought it was like so good. Like I just finished it today. I kind of like I missed like the first three weeks of it, so like at that point, like I couldn't watch it on TV. But then they put all of it on to um, ESPN Plus, and like it was so good. I, I love Dennis Rodman so much. What a guy! Yeah, he, I I made it made me love Dennis Rodman more. Like I went to Jersey. I know, and really just talking about MJ because I feel like I didn't really know that much about MJ. Yeah, I'm really glad. Like now, like I don't know. I feel like. Because I used to always make them, well, whatever. I don't know. I feel like it's just awesome that I know more about him now because it was really good. The thing that surprised me the most about Rodman was how he just left and went to WWE. They let him do whatever finals. he wanted. Yeah, literally. Could you imagine if that happened today? No. I, couldn't. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of how the Red Sox were with, with Manny Ramirez. just kind of like you got to let him do what he wants for him to play this best. And, like, yeah. Phil Jackson knew that. So, like. Great coach. Great I coach. I think that. Everything that you guys just said is the exact reason why they wanted this documentary yeah. to take place at this time. Basically for the fact that, you know, we didn't get to grow up with Jordan. All these people, you know, we hear all the time from 
not even people that grew up watching Jordan, but even, you know, adults at that time. Uh, my dad was, you know, in his 20s. And every single time that I've brought up that, okay, LeBron's the GOAT, he just looks at me like I'm stupid. And that's because, you know, we weren't able to appreciate his game. So it's hard for us to put it in that perspective. Um, I think that you're mostly tied um, to your generation of who you think's the GOAT. I think that's why a lot of people in the younger generation believe that LeBron's the GOAT. And I think that's exactly why Jason Hare wanted to do this documentary now, especially with Jordan saying after the 2016 finals, when LeBron had, you know, the greatest finals ever beating the Warriors, uh, overcoming the 3-1 deficit, that that was the time to do it because he wanted people to know in our generation and appreciate his game and learn more about it. Um, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm a big sports guy, but there were a lot of things that I had no idea that went on during those uh, finals runs and the Bulls dynasty. So I think for everybody, even if you had very little knowledge prior, or even if you were, you know, watching those games and an avid fan at the time, I still think it really got the point across about how special the Bulls dynasty was. It definitely showed like how dominant and how much of an icon he was too. And that I time. Know, he was so iconic. I feel like, like, People it's so are like much different. lining up to see this guy, like chasing him down, like crying when they see this dude. Just like people, there's like no one that's really like that nowadays. I know. It's like, I don't know. I've never seen something like that in any sport. He's like really. the face of the earth. Like he was like <laughs> the guy. I think one of the coolest things about the documentary was were the uh, live interviews on the iPad that the guys can, or that Michael Jordan saw for the first time. Like, it yeah. showed his, like, initial reaction. Like, oh, yeah, those that, funny. that meme everyone has seen of him laughing. Yeah, there's, like, like, five different memes of those strictly alone. <laughs> yeah. I like that, that where he was cool laughing part. at Gary Payton. Saying yeah. that, like, he had no problem with him at all. Mm-hmm. Definitely something that we can appreciate for a very long time. And Al kind of talked about it, too. Uh, now with it being on ESPN+, Plus, it'll probably still, you know, be aired on ESPN from time to time. But is uh, a job well done, to say the least. So shifting into something that is now going to be the topic for a while, and we kind of all gave our take slightly, but I just want to touch upon it because we have plans to do a bigger episode on this topic at a later date. Who are your guys' goats now after watching this? You know, did your judgment change of who you thought was the goat between LeBron and MJ? What are your guys' takes? I think... It's, like, tough for me because I watch LeBron. I've hated him his whole career because he's just so dominant and next terrible. And, like – He never went there. Yeah. That's why I hated him too. So, like, I don't really – I just have seen LeBron his whole career, never seen MJ. But now I just see how dominant he was, six rings. He left – he left the game to play baseball, came back, won three more. I just – and everyone on ESPN, they know more – they definitely know more than me. They're just saying MJ is by far better than LeBron. I don't think he's by far better, but I just think he – I think he's number one. Yeah, my goat's LeBron. Um, Brandon's obviously going to say that because he's the biggest bandwagon I've ever met. So oh, ESPN yeah. showing this documentary is just like fueling his bandwagon. I'm a um, Nick, Knicks fan, so yeah, and a Warriors fan, and uh, I root Astros for the Warriors because and... they beat LeBron. Like I said, I hate LeBron, so that makes me love the Warriors at times. Yeah, but so. you definitely, have to, <laughs> you definitely have to appreciate um, Jordan because of his competitiveness. And but I think this will be a great episode in the future. His goat cup talk. Absolutely true. true. So pretty much, I've always been like an advocate that like LeBron is the goat, but I feel like. It's just kind of hard to say because, like, maybe, like, raw talent, like, just, like, pure, just, like, basketball skills, scoring, just, like, size. Like, LeBron might be better, but uh, something about MJ, just how iconic he was and, like, how important he was, like, to basketball, to everything, it's just kind of crazy. And, like, MJ just, like, he had just had the switch where he could just – he could turn it on and he wouldn't miss a shot and he could just score at will. I don't know if LeBron hasn't always been like that, just been able to just turn on the switch and just be the best player in the world with that snap of a finger. And I don't know. But maybe raw talent, LeBron, I think I still think LeBron's a better like basketball player, but I think 
effect on the game. MJ's just an icon. I think you got to give that to MJ. Like what he did for the game, it's kind of nuts. So I'm still LeBron. Like he's my goat, no doubt. Uh, this documentary, in a way, definitely made the gap closer in my view. Not not anything against Jordan in any way. I do understand what Al is saying in that sense. But the weird thing for LeBron is that he's had an uphill battle to chase Jordan this entire time, whereas Jordan kind of set the standard. Magic, Bird, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, those guys were great basketball players, but they were just basketball players. Like They did not have the outside transcending nature of Michael Jordan and making basketball a global icon in sport. So other than that, I do believe that LeBron is still going to be the GOAT, in my opinion, when it's all said and done. Right now, I do believe it's neck and neck. I think if LeBron gets one or two more titles, that would put him over the edge. This isn't for the GOAT, but do you, in the documentary, it showed the dream team. Do you think that dream team would be the 2008 or 2012 Olympic team? Yep. Yes. 100%. That you think raw? You think that dream team would beat them? Maybe, I do. maybe smoke them. I think the 2008 team would beat the dream team. No, dude, that team. Yes, they were disgusting. They like th- four top five players at all time on the on the team. On the dream team, yeah, they had Magic Bird. Like their team was nuts. Magic Bird, MJ. I'm just saying, Chuck, two, dude. The skill level was, now, though. Was, I'm just saying. But what about Shaq? Shaq on that team? No, probably not. I don't think so. Mm. He oh, was too dude, young. But Christian Leitner was for some reason. I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, he was coming but... out of college. He Bron, Mello, Kobe, Wade. That team was a lot younger, whereas the Dream Team was more of a veteran presence. So I feel like that's what would push them over the edge if they were playing them at that time. I feel Just like because MJ their was chemistry barely... was through the roof. I feel like Magic Johnson was barely even in the league anymore when he was on the Dream Team. Yeah, it was like it was towards the, the tail end. Yeah. yeah, both him and Bird were. That was kind of the point where, you know, they were giving the crown to MJ. Like that was going to yeah. be his league at that point. You know, they had the '80s. That was the beginning of the '90s. Um, before the documentary, I thought that our past team with LeBron and all those guys would beat the Dream Team, but the documentary showed me how crazy those practices were and how competitive those guys were and i think now that the dream team would win because it was the first time that we ever had a like nba players could play in the olympics like now dude it's a joke they go there and fucking fuck around and get drunk the whole time and then i wish it was the same i wish it was like barely the 2012. play and they just smoke every team beat every team by 50 like that like a team with like with uh i think it was croatia was actually pretty good with ku coach freaking ku coaches go i love that guy great guy <laughs> Clutch player of all time. Most clutch player of all time. Or Steve Kerr. True. Well, regardless, we'll put that aside for now. We will touch again on that topic at a later time. But we will talk about the NFL. The biggest news right now uh, is they are proposing stricter Rooney rules. That is very hard to say. But uh, that's for coaches and GMs. These rules were first introduced in 2003 to give minority head coaches and GMs an equal opportunity to get jobs for organizations comparable to their white counterparts. Uh, Two years after the rules were first introduced, uh, the only two African-American coaches in the league were Tony Dungy for the Indianapolis Colts and Lovey Smith for the Chicago Bears. They actually coached against each other in the Super Bowl. So it looked like, you know, the the rules were kind of set in place and they were going to do good things. Uh, fast forward 15 years, and there's been very little progress to, you know, minority coaches um, actually getting jobs in the league where it is dominated by white coaches and in a league that's over 70% African-American. So there's not really equal playing field there. Currently, there are four minority head coaches in the league. Mike Tomlin is entering his 14th season with the Steelers. Former Bills defensive coordinator Anthony Lynn will be entering his fourth year with the Chargers. Brian Flores will be in Miami for his second year. And Ron Rivera is starting his first year at the helm in Washington. And there are only Isn't two. He white? Ron uh, Rivera? Oh. So, yeah, minority, but three African-American. <laughs> so there are, only <laughs> two, <laughs> there are only two GMs in the league that are minorities, Chris Greer with the Miami Dolphins and then Andrew Barry in Cleveland. So 
these rules, like, let me mind you, they have nothing to do with you have to, you know, have a minority coach. It's just strictly for them getting an equal job in an interview process. So it has nothing to do with them being hired or anything like that. They're still not even getting the looks. So that's why uh, the NFL wanted to look into it because only three of the past 20 coaching hires were minorities. So with the response to the backlash, the NFL is throwing around the idea to boost a team's draft pick selection if they hire minority head coaches or GMs as an incentive. Uh, that would be up to 16 selections higher for a head coach and 10 for a GM. Is it sad that the NFL has to stress this rule by incentivizing teams to provide minority interviews for vacancies? Uh, I don't know if I'd call it sad, but like it's a little little weird to me. I don't know. I don't really know what to say about it. It's know, just okay. I don't know in the. So in the NFL compared to the NBA, do you, like is there more minority coaches in the NBA than in the NFL? Do you think? Uh, yes, I do believe so. Probably. Yeah. I feel like and that's also a predominantly African American league yeah. as well. So I feel like more players coach like old players coach like after their career, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like yeah. most players are minorities. And I feel I like say, it should be that way in the NFL. I saw today that the owners uh, shut the proposal down and there's definitely a need for more minorities in this these roles but this obviously wasn't the right way to go about it i know it kind of doesn't make any sense like i definitely believe that there should be rules put in place but i think to a certain extent you can't like force this upon teams i think like teams should just hire the best person available like yeah. doesn't matter what they look like i don't I mean, it probably does happen. I mean, I don't, but I, I, I don't know. But yeah, I did see it get shot down. So I mean, I didn't expect it to get passed anyway. So I do think oh, that a lot good. of it has to do with these older white owners because the majority of the owners are also white. It comes down to them just having racial bias to begin with, and then that stems with them, you know, having their own personal connections with other coaches around the league, and they mostly have their guys before these. Uh, vacancies or interviews even start and that's was one of the big things talked about this last offseason where guys like Eric Bieniemy, he's the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs just had you know a Super Bowl win a very high-powered offense he did not get even one interview and even Byron Leftwich you know he was a college quarterback at Marshall uh, he's been with uh, Bruce Arians through the Cardinals regime, and now he's with the Tampa Bay Bucks as their offensive coordinator, both African-American uh, offensive coordinators, and neither of them got a look around the league for an offseason that had multiple vacancies. So I just think it comes down to, you know, those guys not wanting to change in general and to, you know, resist that. It's like a opinion. draft, like a, a move. A, a draft pick for Yeah, that's not the way to go watch. about it. And then it's going to feel like, oh, you're just hiring me so you can get a higher draft pick, right? Mm-hmm. And that's not starting. So I do it's think it's kind right of sad. Yeah. It's kind of sad that they need to do this. Yeah, that part's for a fair, I would call that for a fair playing field. I mean, just hire the best person available. Who gives a shit what you look like, you know? Whatever. Stupid. Wait, so, Hunter, you said they shut it down today, though? So this definitely isn't happening? Yeah, I saw that the owners decided to not yeah. to do this. All right, the good. proposal did happen earlier today. And I think they kind of put it out there just to see how the public would kind of view it. And it got a lot of negative attention. So they hopefully will come up with a better solution to go about the problem. But shifting into another topic that came out, uh, kind of related to the Last Dance uh, documentary series, Uninterrupted, that is uh, LeBron James Sports Media Company, announced last Friday that they are in the works of creating a short doc series on the Houston Astros and their sign-stealing scandal. The series will be entitled Sign Language and will be available to view on the new streaming service, uh, Quibi. Uh, This is their quote that they came out with after they announced it, was, quote, the documentary will transcend the baseball diamond to explore larger themes of greed, cheating, corruption, sportsmanship, and social media activism. 
Sign Language will be the definitive documentary about the scandal that rocked America's pastime. With the current state of sports and the overwhelming popularity of the MJ doc, will we see more mainstream documentary in the news? I think we'll definitely see more documentaries in the news. The 2016 Cavs comes to mind. The Warriors dynasty comes to mind. Um, Belichick. Yep. Red Sox dynasty. Last 20 years. I don't know if they're a dynasty, but. Sure, bugged. Um, Bregman parted ways with his agent today, and his agent is tied to LeBron and Interrupted Sports. So that's another interesting news piece. Yeah, because he's with Clutch Sports, I believe, or used to be with Clutch Sports. So He's about to give, throw some dirt, bro. I know. I can't wait. Bregman oh, my gosh. Clear better. his name up. But. I, I hope that there's a bunch more documentaries soon. Um, I know. I, yeah, I think definitely the Cavs. That's a good one. Definitely, I think the Miami Heat, LeBron, like tie that in with the decision, like a big. There already is a thirty for thirty about the decision, right? I think so, but I don't get a think short, it's, like yeah, an hour episode on it. I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure. But then I want to, um, I want to show love to two other docs that I saw. First of all, the, the Magic one, the thirty for thirty, that was sick. I didn't really know a lot about that team. That was awesome. I'm glad that I watched that. And then SB Nations, John Boyce and Alex Rubenstein's uh, history, history of the Seattle Mariners. I recommend everybody should watch that. Even if you haven't even heard of the Seattle Mariners, you'll, they'll be your favorite team in six minutes. That was a really good. Uh, just One how of the best it was ever. produced everything about Amazing. that was really, really awesome. Good. What's that on? Is it on ESPN Plus? YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube. SB Nations. Nation. YouTube. They have really good content. Shout out to them because they did a watch really them. good job. That was like yeah. a five-part series. Six. Six, yeah, six part, and they were about forty-five minutes long. Awesome. So they put awesome. they put a lot of time into it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I know that you know ESPN. That was one of the things that they tied in late to the Jordan doc was how they're going to come out with new thirty for thirties on Lance Armstrong, which is starting this weekend at the same time slot at nine o'clock on Sundays, which is you know definitely something good. That's cool. uh, I've always been like a big Lance Armstrong guy just with his foundation live strong. And one of the pictures in this last week's preview, my mom was actually there at the Capitol because she was like on the board. So maybe my mom's going to get a cameo. I don't know. That's cool. Yeah. That's <laughs> but, cool. Uh, yeah. So then, you know, they're coming out with other ones later. Uh, one about Bruce Lee and then Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's home yeah. run battle. And that'd be 90s. awesome. That'd be so really those cool. are all going to be, you know, really good. Uh, documentaries in the future that ESPNs already have, like they're already produced. They're just waiting for them to come out. So, is this um documentary supposed to be all about the Astros, or is it about like other scandals and like? Sounds like it was about other things. Like it said it's going to explore into the diamond, like of yeah, all the scandals. It will definitely center around the Astros, but it could venture into other ways. You know, depending on the interviews they get how deep their knowledge and investigation goes, you know, there's no how way long, to really tell. How long is it going to take till it's out? I'm not really sure. Really they're just saying Things that said. they they're starting yeah. to produce it. So we'll get more information as time goes on. But I think the really good thing with documentaries like this is it gives a sports fan a broad sense of various different topics. Like you were talking about 30 for 30s. Those are mostly things that were before our lifetime, and that can give you deep knowledge and topics that you have not really heard a lot about or known a lot about, which I think, you know, I've watched pretty much every 30 for 30 known to man, and (laughs) I think my knowledge has definitely grown from those alone. So I'm a big documentary guy, and I hope that they kind of, you know, in the future. Yeah. But talking about LeBron, um, did you see how – Last night on that Instagram Live, they were talking about how he um, uh, was playing football during the 2011 lockout. Yeah, I, I was going to say and something And he got a contract from Jerry Jones. That's crazy. Matt, I saw something like a while ago that like when LeBron was in high school, I don't think he played football his senior year, but his junior year of high school, he was like a top five ranked wide receiver in the whole United States. Yeah, he, he was a really good prospect. I remember crazy seeing that and hearing that. I think it's weird, too, like the timing of that would have been around the same time in his career compared to Jordan's when he ventured and played baseball, whereas he would have went and played football. That would have just been I feel like it would have been I don't know harder. if he had that in mind, but it totally would have been. 
like harder to come back to basketball too yeah harder for basketball but i think baseball after not playing that long that's something really hard to pick up on you know not picking up a bat since you're 17 yeah like he was 17 years old and then started playing when he was 31 and playing guys that are 20 i can't believe they actually jerry jones actually gave him the contract though it's hung up in his office like i think i wish we saw a year at least of lebron in the nfl he would have been so good. He probably would have been the best tight end in the league. Or maybe That's what someone said of all time. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, what Do you guys know who said that? I think it was like a coach. Anyone with a brain probably said that? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, I don't know. He's just nuts. Mike Evans said he's the best athlete of all time. He said not only the best basketball player of all time, yeah. the best athlete of all time. To our next topic. Uh, a lot has been going on with baseball and their proposal, how they're going to come back, when they're going to come back. Uh, Philly's outfielder, Bryce Harper, put interesting thoughts on what, in his mind, could be a potential uh, proposal for a shortened season and how it could look like. And this is what he had to say. So he believes that something along the lines of East versus West, just like the NBA, East Coast teams play, you know, the conferences. Uh, July, you have 31 days, August, 31 days. So he pretty much just goes through all the months and gives it 135 games from July to November, mid, uh, about mid-November. And he says an off day every two weeks on a Monday and Sunday, double headers at seven innings. Uh, the rosters would be 30 players, a six-man starting rotation to save arms uh, if pitchers wanted to do this. And then DH, you know, he was open of the ideas to both leagues playing with a DH. Then this is where it gets interesting. So he said for playoffs, it would be a two-week World Series, just like Super Bowl week. He would want a 10-team round-robin format, just like the College World Series, at one of the new stadiums. So he was pitching either the new Texas Rangers Stadium, Globe Life Park, or if they played in Las Vegas, Uh, So, you know, whatever stadium that you would be at, you'd stay there. They'd be three-game series. Uh, If you win, you move on. If you lose, you get to play the other loser in a one-game wild card. And winner of that moves on, the other one's gone. So if you kind of know a background of the College World Series, that is exactly how it's played out there. Uh, And then once there's two teams left, it would be a seven-game World Series. You get two games off before the series. And with those two days off, you can do an all-star game or a home run derby. You know, MLB awards at the same time, kind of have that be your all-star weekend right before. And this, he said that he would want it to be open on all platforms, no blackouts, open for everybody to watch just to kind of continue to grow the game. And then after that season would be done, it would probably be around the end of November. Uh, then the 21 season would occur in May just to kind of give them a longer off season and then in 2022 would go back to their normal April 1st time so with all that being said that's a lot of information Uh, with players around the league continuing to voice their discontent about the current proposal in place for them to come back would a format that Bryce formulated be suitable yes that's sick I think this is a great idea for MLB because all eyes are going to be on MLB because they're going to be the only sport. And um, the with such a crazy year that we're having, yeah, there's only right that we have this crazy playoff format and the crazy all-star break and the round robin. So I think it'll be really good if they can get this proposal through. I think Bryce is definitely onto something. How many off days do they have in this? Like off a game days. every day? Two a week or something like that. Yeah, you'd get two two off days a week, but then on Sundays you'd play doubleheaders, two two games, seven inning games. Oh, uh, I think it's I think they should just do it. <laughs> I just think it, thought of any. Yeah, like I think it could definitely be something that would be beneficial for the league in general. Just having a big voice, Bryce Harper is one of your most well-known players, and for him to come out and say this and have other players in the league back him up on it it'd be something that would be innovative for baseball because they're always known for sticking with the same thing and being traditional. If they thought outside the box and had something like this, it would bring more attention to the game. It would bring younger fans uh, more involvement and want to, you know, take action and actually want to 
like baseball because a lot yeah. of people don't only be something I think that would uh would be really good for the league. Agreed. I like it. I think it's cool. We yeah. need I need some baseball, baby. We need any sport. Yeah, anything. Oh, and I think that that's horny. Be, yeah. <laughs> 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 well anyway, going into our last topic. Uh, this is kind of a fun one. So Michael Thomas and Devontae Parker had a little bit of Instagram beef yesterday. Uh, the two receivers were a part of an Instagram poll on NFL on Fox asking which would be tougher, A, to make a catch when guarded by Stephon Gilmore, or B, break up a pass when guarding Michael Thomas. Uh, simply, Michael – or I'm sorry, simply – Devontae Parker voted A for Gilmore. That's all that he commented on the Instagram post was A uh, because probably he, he knows how hard it is. He plays him twice a he year. Did it. He knows, yeah, he's a two-time All-Pro. He's the reigning AP Defensive Player of the Year. He knows it. So then out of nowhere, Thomas writes in a response, for you, yes, go run some numbers up. Then you can talk. <laughs> I, I lapped you, and you've been in the league longer than me, first rounder. That's kind of stemming from Michael Thomas. He's always kind of had a chip on his shoulder for being a second-round pick. And, yeah, so then Parker just said, you know, it must be nice to get 300 targets a game while Thomas came back and said that's why Parker is not an elite wide receiver and that he can't even get a seat at the table. You know, it's kind of weird that he would come at him like Tom, Thomas came at him hard, but – with a full rundown on the beef, who do you think won? And is Thomas kind of justified for coming at Parker like that? Yeah, I don't think Parker should have said anything in the first place. Um, Michael Thomas is – like, he might be the best wide receiver in the league. And um, he's obviously way more proven than Devontae Parker. So, I mean, Parker, Parker is right with the 300 targets a game, though. <laughs> but – um. I don't really, I don't think Thomas should have said anything, to be honest with you. It's definitely – I think he's right, too. Harder to get a catch on Gilmore? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously Michael Thomas did did a lot more than Devontae Parker this year. But, I mean, like, Devontae Parker has not been in a good situation for the first five years of his career. And the second time he gets into an offense that actually seems sort of high-powered and a little potent and actually scored, he shined. So, I think – I don't think it was really Parker should have said anything, but I do think he's really good. And I think he's going to continue to be good for the next couple of years, but Michael Thomas is just the best receiver in the league. So he's kind of looked stupid going at him. Yeah. True. Jared Goff, like trying to like roast, like get in battle, like Tom Brady or something like that. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There really is no debate of who's better. Like obviously Thomas is light years better. Uh, I looked it up. And through Parker's first four years in the league, so last year was his fifth year, had a breakout year, you know, had his first over 1,000-yard season. So in his first four years, he had 163 catches, 2,217 yards, and nine touchdowns. And in Thomas, so he's played a year less, so I did his first three years, he had 321 catches, 3,787 yards, and 23 touchdowns. So that just shows – I mean, regardless of the quarterback play, Teddy Bridgewater was Drew Brees' replacement when he was hurt earlier this year, and he still produced way more than Parker ever has. So I don't think that Thomas should have got as butthurt over something very small, like him just commenting his opinion on an Instagram post. But Yeah, he, he got real upset about it. <laughs> Continuing with our Would You Rather segment, Alec, take it away for this week's. So this week's is going to be, would you rather get tackled full speed by Jadavian Clowney, fill in the hole you're running back, or take a Ronaldo free kick to the dome? What do you, got, what do you guys say, Brandon? What are you going with this? <laughs> um, I think I'm going with Ronaldo, but I think I'm underestimating a Ronaldo free kick to the face. You are. Have That's you seen his quads? But I've seen – but I've seen – I know, but I've seen Jadavian Clowney in college mur- you see that video murder. Where he pop that guy's off? helmet off. Yeah. yeah, that was nuts. Yeah, I'm. Go- I think I'm going with the Ronaldo to the face. I'm going Clowney, baby. I, I'm here. I'm. I'm an advocate. Football getting hit in football, not as bad. 
<laughs> for, the, yes, for the second straight week, the answer is easy. It's to oh. take the it's to take the clowny hit. I'm in it's full easy. pads. It's That's not like, easy, I'm dude. In full that, pads. It doesn't matter. Your hands are like, you, not even moving as fast. Like you just got the ball and he is like boom right there. Yeah, like you're not even that, barely moving. Yeah, without a doubt, it's clowny. I'm not no, taking. Dude. Okay, you have a helmet on. Then you're gonna take a free kick to the head. You know. I'm taking a free you know kick to the head. How hard soccer balls are. First yes. off, look at Ronaldo. His, his legs are huge. I could be wrong on this one, but I think like, you're wrong. I really Regardless, you're probably going to get. I've CD. seen Jadavian Clowney almost murder a human with the <laughs> helmet on. I don't really trust the helmet. Regardless, I don't know. Because yeah, because he's, he's dying just either pop way. Right off your head. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have Clowney. a bloody nose either way. I'm still picking Clowney though. Clowney, yeah, I'm easy. taking the Clowney hit. Plus, he hasn't been as good as he. Dude, like, Ronaldo was probably right oh. the ball right to your right to your forehead, dude. Like you're dead. Maybe he doesn't probably rock it. Does. That's got to hurt so <laughs> that would I would definitely cry. I, I, Either way, I'm probably going to cry, but you're not. That's a tough, I'm just that's a sensitive a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that'll do it for this week's episode of Bag Talk. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Continue to be safe and healthy during these tough times. Signing off till next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.